from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It was so hard to complete it because a novel is a big animal. You know, it's like a big thing. 95% of it is you sit down and you write, and then some of it will be good, some of it won't, and it's okay. You have to be willing to be messy and to make mistakes and throw things away. And all great writers, you know, Hemingway, I love Cormac McCarthy, they all say, you have to write poorly to write well. My books, they will call it gay fiction, but there's gay, straight, all sorts, and it's really about humanity, and my journey has been as a gay man. I'm Sarah Fenske. Scott Alexander Hess once planned to be a journalist. He got involved with the school newspaper at Afton High School. Then he got his degree in journalism at Mizzou and even wrote a fashion column for the student newspaper. But it was only after working for newspapers and fashion publications in New York City that he found his true calling, fiction. Scott Alexander Hess has published five novels in the past decade. And this summer, they've been joined by two new novellas. They're called The Root of Everything and Lightning. And he joins us today to talk about them and about fiction writing. So Scott Alexander Hess, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So a lot of journalists dream of writing a novel. Mm. Very few succeed. Mm -hmm. What made you interested in making that switch? Uh, Well, I went to the new school in New York City. Um, to study uh, fiction writing. And I'd done a lot of journalism, a screenplay, and uh, really just over that two-year period fell in love with the uh, with prose, with the art form of the novel. Uh, and when I went in, for writers out there, I was reading the novel Jaws. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no intention of writing a novel. I thought, oh, these people are so smart. But through the, uh, the two-year program, I just, I just, we read a novel a week. Also, reading is so important as a writer. Um, and I, I loved it. And by the end, I mean, the first novel was the hardest to write, but I was so determined. And a professor said to me, I think you'll publish because you have tenacity. And I was just, I was really determined to finish that first novel. And another professor said, now this may not be your best novel. And I was like, what? But it's so true. It is, of all the novels, I'm like, oh yeah, and there's that one. It really? was, you know, yeah. I mean, that first it, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was my thesis. And I, it was so hard to complete it because a novel is a big animal. You know, it's like a big thing. But once you get that shape and form and realize, oh, it's okay, um, it, it it happens and you're done because you're in the middle somewhere and you're like, oh, my God, wait, where am I? And Because you create a world, right? Um, but that first one, I finished it. Uh, it, it was fine. It's a, it's a fun book. And after that, um, the second, the third, it was really the third novel, which was um, – the Butcher's Sons, uh, where I really got my stride and found my voice hmm. um, as and, a writer. And once you found it, it mm-hmm. seems like you never looked back. I mean, this at this point is a calling. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I also I read a great book called The War of Art, which is all about resistance as an artist. And he wrote in that, he said, look, you finish a book or a movie or something, the only thing to be concerned about, you finish it one day, the next day you start the next one. You don't worry about if it's published, or this and that. And I took that to heart, and I never stopped writing. And people are always like, how do you write so much? And I'm like, I don't know, I just write. That's what I do. I do a lot of things, but I love writing, and I just write consistently. 
Um, so things just keep flowing. And I, yeah, and the passion for the work and the reading, discovering other novelists. And I just, you know, the locomotion of it just kept churning. So It's interesting. I know so many people who have a passion for writing, and yet when it comes to actually oh, writing, it's crazy. It's so hard for them. They, they're, they're so blocked. It's so easy. There is no block. I, I don't believe in writer's block. I, I, you, you just, but you have to, uh, uh, you have to be willing to be messy and to make mistakes and throw things away. And all great writers, you know, Hemingway, I love Cormac McCarthy, they all say, you have to write poorly to write well. So 95% of it is you sit down and you write, and then some of it will be good, some of it won't, and it's okay. And then you keep going. But I teach also, and so many students, we always go through a big list of like, why are you not writing? And it's like, if you're thinking about writing more than you're actually writing, then, you know, stop it. Just get it on the page. And my writing has evolved immensely through the 12-year period, and I've also allowed that to happen. I've allowed it to change, to morph, to I, I found new challenges. You know, the root of everything is nonlinear. It's like out of sequence, and that was the challenge of that book. And so I like actors, like Jodie Foster, I heard her say, I walk in, I'm always willing to fall on my face. And me too. I write a book, I'm like, I'm willing to fall on my face, you know, and if it's uh, – luckily, I've had good reviews and stuff, but it's like, eh, you never know. They might say, why is this not linear? This is a stupid idea, you know, but creatively, I go for it. So You're that, willing to take that risk. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the root of everything, and I, I want to talk about the root of everything today. This is set in Missouri, a yes. big chunk of it yes. set in St. Louis. Um, to tell us just a little bit about this premise here. Sure. Um, it is three generations of fathers and sons. Uh, it was inspired by, um, sadly, I lost my mother. It's dedicated to Mary Alice Hess up there. And she uh, had told me a story about my grandfather who traveled from then Germany to see the St. Louis World's Fair. And that was the germ because I'm like, what was that like? And I uh, began to create a story. And so there's uh, the two brothers coming from Germany. They're determined to go to the World's Fair and I also learned about uh, the timber trade at the turn of the century and how important that was in Missouri. And then I started spinning from there. And I had his son's story and then his son's story, those three generations. And there's a St. Louis um, component and because I also had an uncle who was in, um, like, built buildings. I had another uncle who, uh, gosh, what did he do? Steam pipes on the Wainwright building. So that's in our blood. So I, I spun all that into fiction. And then the third one is the... Uh, the gay son who goes to New York. So that was um, something and, that you you could draw on your own. Yes, history. and I, I did that. And he, I, it's not me. You know, it's a guy who goes into real estate because all of it is tied to the land, the root of everything, like the earth, the land, timber, the heart, humanity. Um, and these, it's also about how one generation's actions can really impact the journey and story of a next generation. So I really liked going three different generations, three different time periods, and how either the sins or the gifts of the father can impact the son um, and then influence the other people in their lives, whether it's their lovers, their wives, their children, and things like that. So, so this was in some way directly inspired by a grandfather who came from Germany yeah. to mm -hmm. go to the World's Fair. Like right. the character in this book, did he end up staying put? He did. He did. And that story, he came, he was going to stop at the St. Louis World's Fair, and I think, I can't remember where he was going to go, but he liked it. He's like, oh, 
I'll stay here. He said that in German, of course. <laughs> but and he met my granny, who I is is a uh, character's based on her in the book, a little tiny Irish lady, and he was very stern. They told me, and she was very perky. And they married and settled on Alamania down in wherever you know in South St. Yeah, Louis. South St. Louis. So. so this is drawn. I've I've read this novella. Now yeah. hearing you describe this mm-hmm. family history, this is yeah. drawn very much from your family's history. Did you find yourself doing much research into that era beyond the, the oh, stories that you oh, knew? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean the germs of the ideas are there, but their stories are all fictional because I actually knew nothing about what happened once they got here. But um, I definitely drew on uh, the history and the time period and the um, I did a lot of research and, and looked at, well, what was St. Louis like in 1904? And then what was the 50s like? And, um, you know, learning all about different aspects of the city, especially in different time periods that I didn't know about. So that journalism career, it still comes in handy. Yeah. You, you do the research. <laughs> yes, yes. There's always a lot of research, especially with other time periods. And I love putting characters in other time periods because it can cause more conflict. Um whether you know there's the LGBTQ character in the in the 70s, or a, um, just a, a someone coming in like the Irish early on had more trouble in America, and even uh, things like turning on a light or, or making money or going through the depression, or like I love different time periods that have um, conflicts for the characters and also colorful conflicts that we may not think about today because we're so steeped in our world. And it's like, oh, well, it was the, you know, the, the what was it? The scarlet fever or the, the, you know, there's different things that are like, yeah, that happened. And, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking today to Scott Alexander Hess. He's a St. Louis native. His two new novellas are The Root of Everything and Lightning. You can find out more about those at scottalexanderhess.com. Um, Scott, I want to ask you, both mm-hmm. of these novellas feature young men mm-hmm. who have sex with other men. Right. Um, and unlike many books like this, neither seems tormented by questions of identity. Right. It seems like at least in what's presented in these novellas that they understand this is who I am. Right. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. They go for it. Was right. that intentional? Yes, it was. It was. I've, um, I have other books. I mean, my books, they will call it gay fiction, but there's gay, straight, all sorts. And it's really about humanity. And my journey has been as a gay man. Um, I've written books where some of the characters are tortured by, uh, oh, my God, what happens and violence about coming out. But these characters, specifically the young man and the, the farmer, who is in a, a, a really solid, loving family, uh, 1918, but who is driven by um, a love. And then Stanford in uh, The Root of Everything, it is the 70s. It, it, his journey ends in the 90s. So there <clears throat> was a lot of issues about around that back then. But I wanted to give them positive um, self-identity, sense of self. Um, he is one of the stronger, more... Um, uh, you know, he has a strong sense of who he is and what he wants, while his father and grandfather, like his father, who ends up becoming very wealthy, has a lot of struggle and issues and problems in his marriage. But Stanford learns from that, again, the sins of the father or the challenges, and uh, builds his own strength. And is like, the hell with that. And, and it, I will go through this, I will go through that, and I will find my journey and my identity. And it's certainly not going to be um, determined by my sexual identity. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many issues you might run into, but 
that one is not going to throw me off. And it, so I gave him a lot of strength. Um, there's a lot of strength. And also in both of these novels, um, there's some explicit sex scenes mm-hmm. that are not at all. There's just so much bad writing about sex right. out there <laughs> that sometimes you'll read a sex yes. scene and it will be such a turnoff. Right. Or it will be just so badly written that you feel bad for the author. These right. were well-written sex well, scenes. Thank you. What's the key to doing that? Well, it's about emotion and passion and longing, desire, need, humanity. Um, I don't even call them sex scenes. I call them either lovemaking, passion, sensuality. Um, It's about a need one person has with another because people will write horrible sex scenes because they're thinking about the sex. And unless it's intense erotica, which is fine too, uh, it's about humanity and about, I mean, sensuality and lovemaking can be very vulnerable and intense and strange and you make mistakes and it's it's wrought with emotion just like anything I write about in my books. So from the very beginning, I I learned from like Alan Hollinghurst, Jean Genet, uh, great writers that would write sensual scenes but in beautiful poetic language. And I, I really wanted to marry those two things. And also the other element, if you suddenly, if it's a heterosexual lovemaking scene, oh, that's nice. I've had people say, oh, this has a gay sex scene. Oh, my God, we better put a warning label on it. And I'm like, it's the same as the uh, hetero. It's, you know, it's like, okay, whatever, you know. Um, but I do keep it emotional, sensual, and sometimes overly poetic where I've had a scene <laughs> where someone read it and said, oh, I didn't even know they were making love. But it was written beautifully. And I'm like, well, I better... It Jazz sounds like that, you learned yeah. from that note because I, I could <laughs> I did, tell when people were making love. Yeah, in this no, book. I had to, you know, I had to have an intention and be like, oh, okay, let's. You can't go too poetic, but yeah. It's interesting. You you mentioned that uh, you know you teach uh, mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. how to write fiction, and you also right. do some some consulting if somebody right. has a book and they oh, need yeah. some help getting it across the finish line. Yes. It sounds like you've learned how to think about these things in a, in a very technical way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where you can kind of step back and, and look at your own work and then correct. Right. Absolutely. Was that hard to learn how to do? Yes. Yes, it was because it's very emotional. It's very personal. You're very vulnerable. Um, when, when I first started having my work critiqued, I would be in a rage. I would cry. I have a wonderful a shout out to my writing group, The Ponies. But they are a great resource. But through hundreds of criticisms, reviews, workshops, you learn to say, once you're done, when I'm done, I step back and say, I'm a reader now. Mm-hmm. I'm a reader. I have nothing to do with this. And what am I getting from it? And so you can depersonalize that and look at and remember my intention. Like, what do I hope the reader is, is feeling or going through or enjoying? And then and often distance, too. I give it a couple months. You um, step away. And six months, three months later say, I'm going to read this new book because um, I'm working on two new books right now and, and say, oh, let me read and see what's going on here. Um, and that's how you learn to revise and, and look at it. And I also have trusted readers who read and tell me the truth um, when I'm in my process. So, But it's, it's a reality of writing, you know. Again, you don't. You don't sit down and write beautiful things. You write and you mess up and you write again and you rewrite and then you say, oh, okay, now I've landed. And even when it's done, sometimes you look back and say, oh, I'll be doing a live reading and I'll read my own work and be like, 
Oh, I could have done that sentence better. But it's like, whoops, too late. It's printed. So, but it's okay. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. So this is great advice for anybody who wants to be a writer. And I, I think about young Scott back at Afton High oh, School back yes. in the day. If he was hearing this broadcast, yes. what would you say to a kid growing up in St. Louis who longs to move to New York City and oh, become a writer just in our final minute gosh, or so Gosh, just do it. You've got to do it and believe in yourself and listen to the encouraging voices. I'm so blessed to have had a few encouraging voices. Miss Fitzsimmons if you're out there, that they would say to me, you're a writer, keep writing. And I was very doubtful and riddled with insecurity, but I heard it. And I also wrote, I wrote and read. I just, I read, I read, I read, and I wrote and, and I had the passion. Um, and I did have a few champions. And I, I put that in my heart. And I said, all right, I may not believe it, but you do. So I will. And this Miss Fitzsimmons, uh, was this back oh, yeah. in at Afton High School? No, that was in grade school. In seventh, I was writing from age like eight. Um, I would have my mother type things up for me. She'd be like, oh, good Lord. But yeah, so in grade school, I was writing and um, spicy little books back then. And it was Catholic. And so Miss Simmons was like, this is great. But she'd be like, you better put down that um, Valley of the Dolls in Harold Robbins' book and let's get you to reading something a little different. Um, but it was how I started. So hey. So she steered you on the course. Absolutely. Encouraged your gift. And, and here you are today. Yes. Your seventh, <laughs> if you if we count novels and novellas, these yes. are the seventh. That's I know. Oh my the God. root of everything and lightning. And just yes. in our final 30 seconds, here. I want to mention, um, these are at Left Bank Books. Yes, you can get a signed copy at Left Bank Books today. Uh, they're sitting right there. And um, also, if you buy it online um, and mention that you heard me on the radio, I'll send you a free t-shirt. Oh, wow. Well, there's a great <laughs> offer for St. Louis on the air. Listeners, that is a that is a wonderful thing that you offered to do there. And we're so grateful that you were able to be in person, join oh, us here in St. Louis. It's a thrill. Well, Scott Alexander Hess, I want to thank you so much for well, joining us today. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.